Welcome to Totally Weird and Twisted. Welcome back, guys. Also, if you are following us on social media, thank you so much. We're having so much fun on there. That crap is growing. Yeah, it is. So, if you just like feel like talking to us, like you can message us. <laughs> <laughs> or if you don't, that's cool too. But we like talking to people, so. So, you guys have already heard this episode because it's out. I'm talking about the Samhain episode. And what else <laughs> My drunk have? ramblings about Samhain. Well, we were both pretty drunk. And <laughs> if I wasn't, I would have picked up on the cues that I was telling you. Because listening back, I was like, wait a minute. That doesn't sound right. And I'm like, it should be this. And then I look back. I'm like, oh, it is that. <laughs> I kept, I, I realized when I listened back that I kept saying like, instead of saying Gaelic, I kept saying Celtic. Like a fucking idiot. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, you that. know better. I was listening to it. I'm like, God, you fucking moron. Hence why it's called the drunken history of Salon. Because we were drunk. It was aptly named. <laughs> but anyway, what I was going to tell you is, so in the beginning, I was telling the origin of the jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. And I was talking about a legend, or the legend of Stingy Jack. Yeah. Well... His name is Stingy Jack. <laughs> it's, it turns out it's spelled the same way. Yes, it is. So I probably would have fudged that up too. I, well, I heard myself say, like, living true to his name, he didn't want to pay for his drink. And while I was editing, I was like, that doesn't huh. make sense. Stingy. That was probably stingy. And I was like, oh, fuck. So I said, <laughs> I said, hey, Siri, how do you spell stingy? And it's S-T-I-N-G-Y. And that could also be stingy. So <laughs> turns out. Turns out it could be uh, either or. I'm not sure stingy is a word, but that's just how my brain saw it because I saw the word sting with a Y at the end of it. That's okay. When I was reading like the, like the <laughs> s- shit that I wrote down. For mine, I was like, you pronounce it like this. Why did you say this? Or why were you like, I don't know how to pronounce this. I'm so sorry. I'm like, this is how you pronounce this. Right. It, God, well, my, this one, I didn't even know that's what it was. My I just thought it was drunk mind just garbles everything. And I'm like, <laughs> I sound like a fucking idiot. But you know what? That's what makes it fun. <laughs> yeah. And everybody's listening probably like, you guys are fucking idiots but you know what i know i don't care because i, was I like, think it's so funny i was like trying to think if i should just cut the word stingy out of every time i said jack nope and i was like well that doesn't work either the legend of jack so right they're gonna be like oh okay so it just didn't work and i was like 
Should I record myself saying stingy and just clip it in every time? <laughs> so it just sounds like, off. Fuck it. I'll just explain myself later. So I apologize that the the legend of Stingy Jack is actually <laughs> Stingy Jack. And going by his story, it makes a lot more sense. <laughs> it really he does. He doesn't go around stinging people, turns out. Although that would definitely change that would be the story for... The creepy. I'd be like, watch out, he's going to sting you. It's like if a bee gets too close to you. Right. But no, no, I said that completely wrong. (laughs) And I'm sure some of you listening have heard that story and you knew I fucked it up. So I'm just letting you know I know. That just makes it all the more funny. My sober brain, reading it back, got the gist. I realized right away, like, um, that's probably stingy, not stingy. (laughs) So I had to look it up. It's like, hey Siri, how do you spell? (laughs) Yeah, and then I saw it and I was like... Fuck. <laughs> so anyway, I hope you enjoyed that episode. That's okay. That's exactly how I felt when off. I was like, I don't speak Celtic. And I'm like, Ugh, <laughs> it's Gaelic, you dumb bitch. Yeah, like, that one was like <laughs> our 100 proof episode. So literally, I was so fucking drunk. <laughs> and if you haven't listened to it yet, do not. All the more reason you get like three drinks in you. Right. Then you'll be on our level, and it'll all be good. Right. Even if you don't, it's still fucking hilarious. <laughs> Just our just our fuck ups make it worth oh, it. Oh god! But it was a great episode, anyways. One of my favorites for sure. Okay. Well, that's my that's my little rant. Not it's not a rant. It's not even a rant. That's my apology, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize for saying stingy, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what do you got for me? So, <laughs> <laughs> so I found this little doozy. All right. Um, and I am appalled okay this is from muskegee muskogee now.com okay social media outraged as wagoner man 53 marries 16 year old girl what Mm. how's that legal (laughs) i'm gonna tell you okay so this was muskegee texas oh okay so this was published today at 11.40 this morning. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So Kevin Bowman is a year older than his father-in-law. Bowman, 53, is married to Larry Longoria's 16-year-old daughter. Longoria is 52, and he signed his consent for his teenage daughter to marry a man who was 37 years older than her. The couple were married in Wagner County. Oh, I'm sorry. In Oklahoma it is legal for 16-year-olds to marry with consent of one of, with the consent of one of their parents. What the fuck, Oklahoma? I know. What I would be so fucking pissed. Mm. Yeah. I have a 14-year-old. That would be two years she'd be legally allowed to get married. Yeah. Fuck that. But it is unusual for them to marry one so much older. But not illegal. Yeah. Well, it's unusual for anyone to marry someone that much older. Yeah. The Muskogee area social media has exploded with rage and disgust at the marriage, which happened in September. The bride's Facebook account said yesterday she's deactivating it, and Bowman's last public post is from April. Bowman is not answering his phone, and Longoria has not returned a call. So, I'm sorry. So, they were married, blah, blah, blah. In Oklahoma, it's legal for 16-year-olds to marry with consent of one of the parents, but it's unusual for them to marry one so much older. But the so what the fuck? So like consent. twenty years is normal. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? I mean, Celine Dion, her husband. You know when Celine Dion she met was her husband, 
She was 12. Yeah. And he was her dad's business partner. I know. I know. That's a fucking pedophile. I'm sorry. No, it is. But Oklahoma fucking Homa, get it together. Who? What parent would sign off on that? Because that guy is... She's a child. Parents who are probably brother and sister. Like, seriously? That's fucking disgusting. Hell yeah, it's disgusting. You need a few more chromosomes and get your brain working because that's not okay. And was that picture on there of her in the bottom where she's like, "Mm." Yeah, and her fucking husband. I feel like she has um, mental issues. Well, she's 16. That's so fucking wrong. And she looks like she lives in the middle of fucking nowhere. And he's like, I'm a farmer. I'm going to take care of your daughter. Like, If someone approached my husband... And was like, I'm older than you and I want to marry your daughter. He would pull out his shotgun and blow his you the face fuck off? off the property. I mean, this reminds me of um, Abducted in Plain Sight. Mm-hmm. And they weren't even that far apart in age. This is a further separation in age. This is literally disgusting and should be illegal on a federal level. Just Ugh. across the board. And states should not still be allowed I mean, this is, like, in my mind, this isn't even, like, a big government versus small government thing. States' rights versus whatever. No. This is just wrong. This, this is pedophilia. international rule. Exactly. Because that's fucked up. This is pedophilia. Yeah, This it is. is not okay. It is. In many other states, it's pedophilia, so it is. He's fucking an old man. I don't care if you're in the middle of fucking nowhere. Ugh. This is... Ugh. Dude, I would poison him. I just, like... I had something completely different that I was going to talk about. Yeah. And then I just happened across this doozy and I was like, oh. Yeah. Whoa. Excuse I me? I believe in the, especially in the U.S., in the world that we live in now that that is Like in this day and anywhere. age. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That, no. No. Nope. I know. I would hang a bitch. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Here, have some candy. Anyway, let's get to something more fun. So this is going to be our exorcisms week. Yeah. And we each have a cool story of a famous exorcism. Mine is current. Katie's is one you've all definitely heard of. Um, so that'll be on the, well, this, that'll be on last week's episode. (laughs) And, uh, anyway, this is exorcism week. It's going to be fucking spooky and we're going to be right back and we should put some disclaimers that there'll be stuff that to some people might be unsavory or you'll be afraid that demons are going to possess you or you'll be offended depending on your religion. Trigger warnings. Yeah. I'm just going to do a blanket statement. Trigger warning. So if this isn't your thing, we're letting you know now. Right. Exactly. So. Be right back, guys. Oh, wait. Also, though, none of this is our words. <laughs> this is stories that we're reading. We don't believe one way or the other. Yeah. We're not giving our input. Right. This is. Well, we might while we're recording, but right now we're not. <laughs> right. Well, I have strong opinions, but I'm going to try and curb them. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, be right back. What an excellent day for an exorcism. 
trick or treat, it's f***ing Halloween. I'm so looking forward to exorcisms. Not really, but our stories. So, <laughs> cheers to exorcisms. Cheers, week. because we're going to be creeped out, and that's our favorite shit, so. All right, Mandy, let's hear it. All right, so let me give you a little. I just splashed, like, all up in my eyeballs. <laughs> that's my exorcism. Let's go. Let me... Oh, yeah. That's your holy water. That's my holy I totally, like, blessed your cup before you. Like, Fuck cup. yes! My eyes are <laughs> so burning! So you're safe. I can't see shit because she's a demon. I'm a demon. <laughs> All right, let me give you the forward on this story before I get started. A woman and three children claim to be possessed by demons. Gary Police Captain Charles Austin said it was the strangest story he had ever heard. Austin, a 36-year veteran of the Gary Police Department, said he initially thought the Indianapolis resident Latoya Amons and her family concocted this elaborate tale as a way to make money. But after several visits to their home and interviews with witnesses, Austin simply said, I am a believer. That's, wow. Yeah, that's the police captain. Whatever the cause of the creepy occurrences that befell the family, whether they were seized by systematic delusion (laughs) or demonic possession... It led to one of the most unusual cases ever handled by the Department of Child Services. Many of the events are detailed in nearly 800 pages of official records obtained by the Indianapolis Star and recounted in more than a dozen interviews with police, DCS personnel, psychologists, family members, and a Catholic priest. I would give anything to get my hands on those records. Oh, yeah. Oh, my they're not. Gosh. They're not public. I know. Um, well, a lot of records are, but I looked and they're not. Oh my gosh. Furthermore, the family story is made only more bizarre because it involves a DCS intervention, a string of psychological evaluations, a police investigation, and ultimately a series of exorcism. Yes. It is a tale, they say, that started with flies. Oh, I cannot wait to hear this story. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. This sounds fucking amazing. Okay, let me take a swig. This is deep. Oh, my gosh. We're going to have to pause at some point so I can refill this bitch. Yeah, man. All right. Oh Here we God. go. This sounds fucking amazing. I cannot wait to hear this. Here we go. Okay. So, in November of 2011, Latoya Amons. What? 2011? Oh, yeah. No, Ooh. this isn't that old. Um, I was like, did you just fucking see something? Because you jumped. Oh, I fucking wish. <laughs> <laughs> um, Latoya Amon's family moved into a rental house on Carolina Street in Gary. They lived on a quiet lane with one in a one small story house. In a small one story house. <laughs> okay. I followed. I, think, I followed. I think the alcohol's kicking in, which has to be because this is fucking creepy. Woo-woo. Anyway, um, so they moved in in November of 2011. The following month in December, big black flies suddenly swarm their screened-in porch despite the winter chill. Uh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is not normal, Eamon's mother, Rosa Campbell, remembers thinking. So in the house is Latoya Eamon's and her three kids. Mm-hmm. But her mother also lives there. So if you hear me say Campbell, that's their grandma. Okay. Um, 
she said, we killed them and killed them, but they kept coming back. So they could not get rid of these flies. Hmm. And that's weird in winter, you know. Um, there were other strange happenings, too. After midnight, Campbell and Amons both said they occasionally heard the steady clump of footsteps climbing the basement stairs. <gasps> then they'd hear the creak of the door opening between the basement and the kitchen, and no one was ever there. The... Even after they locked the door, the noises continued. Campbell said she awoke one night and saw a shadowy figure of a man pacing in her living room. She leaped out of bed to investigate, and all she found were large, wet boot prints. Hmm. On March 10th of 2012, Campbell said the family's unease turned to fear. So on the 10th of March, about it was about 2 a.m., Campbell says normally her children would have been asleep, but they were mourning the death of a loved one with a group of friends. Mm -hmm. Amons, who was in Campbell's bedroom, startled everyone by screaming, Mama, Mama. Campbell said she ran into her room where her then 12-year-old granddaughter and a friend were staying. Amons and Campbell said that the 12-year-old was levitating above the bed unconscious. What the hell? According to their accounts of the events... Amons and several others surrounded the girl praying. Campbell said she remembered being terrified. Well, obviously. Yeah, that's a given. Thanks for that. <laughs> she said, I thought, what's going on? Why is this happening? Eventually, Campbell said her granddaughter descended onto the bed and the girl woke up with no memory of what had happened. Campbell and Amons said to the people who were visiting um, that the night... Wait. Campbell and Amons said that the people who were visiting that night refused to ever return. Mm. Well, I mean, if you see some shit like that. Yeah, I'm not sure I would return either. I mean, we probably would. Well, that's some demonic shit, though. I know, but... I mean, I'd probably go back, but... I would definitely go back. Because you don't know for sure. You're like, maybe it's just a bad guest. Maybe they're playing (laughs) Weddies of Feather Step of the Board. (laughs) (laughs) So after that happened, Campbell remembered telling her daughter, we need help, we need to talk to someone who knows how to deal with this. Campbell and Eamon said they didn't know exactly what it was, but they believed it was something supernatural. I would yeah, agree if I, I saw agree. my kid floating in the air. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree with that. That's, they called... Um, it's a legit assessment. So. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> they called local churches, but most refused to listen. Eventually, after listening to Campbell and Eamon's talk about the house and visiting it, officials at one church told them that the Carolina Street house had spirits in it. They recommended the family clean the home with bleach and ammonia, then use oil to draw crosses on every door and every window. Also at the church's suggestion, Eamon said she poured olive oil on her three children's hands and feet and smeared the oil in the shape of crosses on their foreheads. Campbell and Eamon's also told the star, which is this article, right, that they reached out to two clairvoyants who said that the family's home was besieged by more than 200 demons. What? <laughs> Their explanation made sense to Campbell vetted? and Amons. They say because it meshed with their Christian faith. Uh, okay. They're like, yeah, this makes sense because we're Christian. 200 so fucking demons? I have 200 demons? demons in my house and that's fine because I'm a Christian. Were like, the clairvoyants... What the fuck? You gotta vet these people. Um, so... They also told them that the best thing you can do is move, but that wasn't an option for the cash-strapped family, which is very typical in every fucking one of these stories. Right. 
Um, I mean, I feel like that's typical for most people. Well, yeah, but... You can't just be like, oh, sure, let me pull a bunch of money out of my ass so I can leave. But you know what? If a situation's bad enough, you find a way. I also agree with that. Instead, Eamon said she took the clairvoyant's advice to make an altar in the basement. Eamon's covered the end table with a white sheet, then placed a white candle and statue of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus on it. She then opened a Bible to Psalm 91. She and another person, who they did not name, wore white t-shirts and wound white scarves around their heads. Also, with the clairvoyant's advice, they burned sage and sulfur throughout the house, starting upstairs and working their way down. The smoke was so thick that they could hardly breathe. Amons drew a cross with the smoke, and the person she was with read Psalm 91 aloud as they moved through the house. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. Amon said nothing odd happened for three days. And then things got worse. Mm, it always gets worse. Mm-hmm. The family said demons... <laughs> I don't mean to laugh at this. It's just like so fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The family said demons possessed... Amon's and her children, then ages 7, 9, and 12. The kids' eyes bulged, evil smiles crossed their faces, and their voices Yikes. deepened every time that happened. Oh. Campbell said the demons didn't affect her because she was born with protection from evil. Okay. All right. She said <laughs> she and the others like her have guardians who protect them. Others like her? What does that mean? I don't fucking know. It's a special type of Christian, I guess. Oh, oh, all right. <laughs> I would assume oh. if you're baptized, maybe that's what she's thinking about. But wouldn't she, if she's like that, have baptized her kids? Well, anyway, she are was, you a special kind of Christian she was, because you're baptized? She was born with some sort of protection. All right, then. And we don't know. Is that voodoo and hoodoo? She, yeah, we don't know any more than that. Mm-hmm. So this is um, Latoya's like um, symptoms when she was possessed. Okay. She said she felt weak, lightheaded, and warm when she was possessed. Sounds feverish. Her body shook, and she said she felt out of control. You can tell it's different, something supernatural. Like a fever. It could be, but I guess she just knows. I mean, later on in the story, you'll be like, oh, okay, that's no fucking fever. Oh, no, I'm sure I will. Yeah. But, but for right now, right, yeah, it sounds like the bitch is sick. It's like, uh, okay. <laughs> or lying or whatever, you know? Yeah. Although there's a moment in every exorcism story where I'm like, this is bullshit. Right. Of course. <laughs> well, any paranormal story, really. Yeah. The youngest boy, then seven, sat in a closet talking to a boy that no one else could see. Mm-hmm. The other boy was describing what it felt like to be killed. Aww. Campbell said the seven-year-old once flew out of the bathroom as if he had been thrown. And a headboard once smacked into Eamon's daughter, causing a wound that needed stitches. Jesus. The 12-year-old would later tell mental health professionals that she sometimes felt as if she were being choked and held down so she couldn't speak or move. She said she heard a voice say she would never see her family again and wouldn't live another 20 minutes. Ooh. Now that to me is sleep paralysis. I was just but, thinking that. But I have more on that that I want to say later. Okay. Um, and I did make a note of that so I don't fucking forget this time because <laughs> I say that shit all the time. Um, 
Some nights were so bad the family slept at a hotel. Finally, in desperation, they went to their family physician, Dr. Jeffrey (laughs) Onyekwu. You said that so eloquently. Onyekwu. I said something. Onyekwu. I'm going to just go with it. On April 19, 2012, um, Eamon said that she told him what they were going through, hoping he might understand. Onyekwu told the star. It just rolls right off his tongue. He told the star it was bizarre. 20 years and I've never heard anything like that in my life, he said. I was scared myself when I walked into the room. He said he would not speak in more detail unless Amons had psychiatric clearance for the waiver of confidentiality she had signed. In his medical notes about the visit, Anyiku wrote <laughs> delusions of ghosts in home and hallucinations. He also wrote history of ghosts at home. And delusional. What Amons and Campbell say happened next was detailed in a DCS report of a family's case, of the family's case manager, and their interviews with medical staff. So Uh-oh. this is where we're. This is what I want to hear. Legal paperwork. Okay. This is what I want to hear. Campbell said Amon's son cursed, or Amos. Amos. Amos son. I think I'm possessed. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Can you say the rest of the episode speaking just like that? I would love to, but everyone will turn it off. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Well, I'm not gonna. (laughs) We'll see. The vodka might make that happen in a minute, but willingly, no. (laughs) Okay. So Campbell said Eamon's sons cursed Oniku, Oniku in demonic voices, raging at him. According to a DCS report, medical staff said the youngest boy was lifted and thrown into a wall with nobody touching him. So the fucking medical staff saw that shit. Yeah. The boys abruptly passed out and wouldn't come to. Someone from the doctor's office called 911. Onyikwu said seven or eight police officers and multiple ambulances showed up. Oh, I guess so this all happened at their doctor appointment. I was about to say, was this in the house? So this was in the doctor's Yeah, okay. So now they're taking them to the hospital. Why do they need multiple ambulances for one person? I don't know. That was just a fun fact in the story. Uh. Everybody was... Oh, so this is a quote from um, Onyikwu, I believe. I love how you say it. Because you're always so standoffish. You're like, uh... I'm just gonna... Onyikwu? Onyikwu. Can I see how it's spelled? Onyikwu. Where is it? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You're like, okay. Looks about right. Proceed. Yeah. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> All right. Everybody was, I mean, they couldn't figure out exactly what was happening, he recalled. Police and emergency personnel took the boys to Methodist Hospital's campus in Gary. Eamon said hospital personnel laughed at her desire to anoint her sons in olive oil. I mean... They should have laughed least... in her face, but they would, should have been like, what the fuck is this? Well, did she at least have the thought to ask to have the olive oil blessed? Or is she just like dousing her kids like she's making pasta? I have no idea. Um, she said, I couldn't talk to them, so I talked to God. Seems logical. I mean, this all sounds crazy until a few minutes from now. So the boys woke up in the hospital. The older boy, then nine, acted rationally, but the youngest screamed and thrashed. 
Um, Campbell said it took five men to hold him down. Meanwhile, someone called DCS and asked the agency to investigate Amons for possible child abuse or neglect. The caller, who was not named in the DCS report, speculated that Amons might have a mental illness. The person believed that the children were performing for her and she was encouraging their behavior. Because a child can throw himself across the room in a doctor's office? Yeah. That sounds right. Well, listen to what he does next. Oh, no. DCS family case manager Valerie Washington was asked to handle the initial investigation. She gave the following account to police and in her intake officer's report. Hospital personnel personnel (laughs) examined Amons and her children and found them to be healthy and free of marks or bruises. A hospital psychiatrist evaluated Amons and determined that she was sound of mind. Yeah. So she's not. Because she didn't train her children to perform and throw themselves (laughs) across a fucking hallway. (laughs) Washington interviewed the family in the hospital. While she spoke with Amons, the seven-year-old boy started growling with his teeth showing. Mm. His eyes rolled back in his head. The boy locked his hands around his older brother's throat and refused to let go until adults pried his hands off. What? Later that evening, Washington and registered nurse Willie Lee Walker brought the two boys into a small exam room for an interview. Campbell joined them. The seven-year-old stared into his brother's eyes and began to growl again. It's time to die, the boy said in a deep, unnatural voice. And I will kill you. While the youngest boy spoke, the older brother started headbutting Campbell in the stomach. Jeez, what grandma do to you? <laughs> Campbell grabbed her grandson's hands and started praying. What happened next would rattle the witnesses, and to some, it would offer not only evidence but proof of paranormal activity. Are you guys ready? According to Washington's original DCS report, take a sippy sip, an account corroborated by Walker, who was the nurse, Mm -hmm. um, the nine-year-old had a weird grin, as the nurse said, Mm. and walked backward up the wall to the ceiling. Shut the fuck up. I'm not kidding. He then flipped over Campbell, landing on his feet. He never let go of his grandmother's hand the whole time. What? He walked up the wall, flipped over her, and stood there, Walker told the star. There's no way he could have done that. Literally. Later, police asked Washington whether the boy had run up the wall as though performing an acrobatic trick. No, Washington told them. She said the boy glided backwards on the floor, then up the wall, across the ceiling, and then came down. So he's Spider-Man. Or Michael Jackson. (laughs) yeah (laughs) if michael jackson could moonwalk up walls um but so that is documented in her official police statement um washington did not respond to the request for comment but she told the police she was scared when it happened and ran out of the room as for walker Washington said he ran out of the room with me so when this happened she and the nurse fucking left the kids and they ran out of the room (laughs) like fend for yourself demons yeah he said we didn't know what was going on that was crazy i was like everybody gotta go no kidding so they just fucking left 
According to Washington's report, they told a doctor what happened. The doctor, who did not believe them, asked the boy to walk up the wall again. Walker said he told the doctor he doubted the boy could repeat the feat. This kid was not himself when he did that, Walker said. The boy said he didn't remember what happened and couldn't do it. Walker, who said he previously believed in demons and spirits, thought the boy's behavior had some demonic spirit to it. Plus, even if it is mental illness, no mental illness can give you superhuman powers. True statement. Which is true. Right. I don't care how crazy you are, your ass is not... Sliding up the wall, across the ceiling. Yeah, I've That's never seen anyone with some sort of like deep psychosis just fucking start scurrying up walls and shit. <laughs> the police report quoted Washington saying she believed there could be an evil influence affecting the family. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure for someone like her, it's hard to even like admit that. Oh, yeah. But when you see some shit like that, like what the fuck else what are you What do think? you say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Even and, I would say that. And thank God she did because... You know, for fear of people thinking she's insane. Right. She still said it. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, Eamon said she spent the night at the hospital with her seven-year-old son while Campbell took Eamon's daughter and older son to a relative's home in Gary. The next day was Eamon's youngest son's eighth birthday. Eamon said DCS officials asked Campbell to bring the older children back to the hospital, presumably to talk more about what happened. The family celebrated the boy's birthday by singing and eating a miniature cake. Then Eamon said Washington told them the children weren't going home. Oh. DCS took emergency or took the emergency step of taking custody of the children without a court order. All of the children were experiencing spiritual and emotional distress. Um, that was also in a DCS form. Amons told the star that she and her children cried because they did not want to be separated. We'd already been through so much and fought so hard for our lives, she recalled. It was obvious that we were a team and we were beating it, whatever we were fighting. We made it through together as a team and now they've separated us. On the morning of April 20th, 2012, the Reverend Michael Magano was leading Bible study in his living room when he received a call from the hospital chaplain. Magano had been a priest at St. Stephen Martyr Parish in Maryville, Maryville for more than <laughs> for more than 10 years, but had never received a request like this one. The chaplain from the hospital asked him to perform an exorcism on Amon's 9-year-old son. Oh my. And she has no idea about this because she doesn't have custody of them right now. Right. Magano agreed to interview the family after Sunday Mass, a few days later. The first step, Magano said, was ruling out natural causes for what Amons and her family said they were experiencing. He visited Amons and Campbell in the Carolina Street home on April 22, 2012. For two hours, Amons and Campbell dele- deleted... Detailed... <laughs> They, de- they, they deleted, deleted the phenomena. They deleted the demons. They, they detailed the phenomena for him. Then Campbell interrupted the interview to point out a flickering bathroom light. The flickering stopped each time Magano walked over to investigate, which he attributed to a demonic presence. It must have been scared of me, he later told the star. The interview was interrupted again when Campbell pointed out Venetian blinds in the kitchen swinging even though there was no air current. Magano said he also saw wet footprints throughout the living room, mm. which they had already yeah. seen. 
Amon's complained about having a headache. Magna said she convulsed when he placed a crucifix on her head. Ew, Kitty. Sorry. Gross. Vibrations. Good vibrations. <laughs> <laughs> After a four-hour interview, Magna said he was convinced the family was being tormented by demons, and he said that he also believed there were ghosts in the house. Magno blessed the house before he left. He prayed, read from the Bible, and sprinkled holy water in each room. He told Amons and Campbell to leave because it wasn't safe, so they temporarily moved in with a relative. However, less than a week later, the two women were back on Carolina Street to let Washington and the DCS family case manager check the condition of the home. Washington asked a Lake County police officer to come with her. Two other officers, one each from Gary and Hammond Police Departments, asked to join out of professional curiosity. They just okay. were like, what the fuck? I gotta see They're this They're like, house. I wanna I see this for myself. Shit. Yeah. I would do that too. Professional curiosity? <laughs> yeah. More like morbid curiosity. Right, exactly. Amons refused to go inside, but Campbell agreed to accompany the group. Amons' kids still were in DCS custody at this time. The main floor had three bedrooms, a living room, one bathroom, hardwood floors, and a small open-style kitchen. A door in the kitchen led to the base- basement. Basement. Led to the basement with concrete floors. <laughs> I knew that voice would reemerge. <laughs> yeah, but like I said, it would just be tis my favorite. It would just come out, and I wouldn't plan for it. So there you go. I love it. <laughs> I, that's never happened to me before. And like the past couple episodes, it's happened. It's my favorite thing ever. <laughs> I'm developing a lisp. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the kitchen door led down to a basement with concrete floors. A basement. <laughs> Directly concrete under floor. the stairs. You'll appreciate this. People under the stairs. No. Directly under the stairs was a dirt floor. Oh, I love dirt floor basements. It's, it's always, always the dirt basement. It's always the houses with dirt floor basements. But the rest of it is paved, just not for some reason under the staircase. Interesting. The concrete ground was jagged as though it had been broken. Hmm. The it's makeshift the zombies. <laughs> yep. <laughs> always the zombies. Always them zombies. The makeshift altar Amons had created was still in place, along with rings of salt she had poured against the basement walls to dissuade demons, according to the Hammond Police Department report. Campbell told officers that the demons... Officers? Officers? (laughs) That the demons seemed to emanate from beneath the stairs. Austin... On the dirt floor. Austin, the Gary police captain, was one of those officers. He later told the star he believed in ghosts and the supernatural, but he didn't believe in demons. Austin said he changed his mind after visiting the Carolina Street home. Nice. During the interview with Campbell, one of the officer's audio recorders malfunctioned. According to Austin and Hammond police records, the power light flashed to indicate the batteries were dying, even though the officer had placed fresh batteries in the recorder earlier that day. Which is very typical that happens all of a the ghost time. investigation. Mm-hmm. Another officer recorded audio, and when he played it back later, he heard an unknown voice whisper, Hey, according to Lake County police records. That officer also took photos in the house. In one photo of the basement stairs, there was a cloudy white image in the upper right-hand corner. When an officer enlarged the photo, the cloud appeared to resemble a face. 
The enlargement also revealed a second green image that police say looked like a female. Hmm. Austin said that the photos he snapped with his iPhone also seemed to have strange silhouettes in them. The radio in his police-issued Ford malfunctioned on the way home. Oh, something's following him home. Mm -hmm. Later, Austin said the garage at his Gary home refused to open, even though the power was on everywhere else in the house. That's what he gets for his... uh... (laughs) Curiosity. Listen, this is this kind of creeps me out. It's like something so simple. Um, Austin said that the driver's seat in his personal 2005 Infinity also started moving backward and forward on its own. Oh hell no! <laughs> oh, that would creep me out. I mean, it's out. an Infinity, which is a Nissan, so it could be something simple as like an electrical issue. All right, well but we're not just, dealing with simple right now. But it's just an odd That's, coincidence. Your garage won't open now. Your fucking and now cars your car's malfunctioning. malfunctioning. Yeah, no. And I don't really believe in coincidences. He said he had the car checked at a dealership and the mechanic told him that the motor on the driver's seat was broken, which the mechanic said could have caused the distraction leading to, or could have caused a distraction leading to an accident. Well, obviously. That's random though. Obviously. Yeah, but obviously it could, you know. Cause an accident? So he's saying more like some, like it could have been broken and something much worse could have happened. Like his knees could have been that. in his nostrils and not yeah. steer the car? Yeah. yeah. So Austin said he found himself starting to believe Eamon's claims of paranormal activity, but the mental health professionals evaluating Eamon's and her children remain skeptical. Well, they're scientists. Yeah. In April of 2012, DCS petitioned the juvenile court for temporary wardship of the three children. The request was granted. DCS found that Amons neglected her children's education by not having them in school regularly. The agency made the same finding in 2009, records show. Oh. Amons told Washington that there were times she could not send the kids to school because the spirits would make them sick mm. or they would be up all night without sleep, which normally I would think is bullshit. But this whole thing that, you know, the nurse and the DCS right. officer saw that shit right when you start adding in that didn't happen yeah i'd be like a cop and doctors right dcs if none of that happened yeah but i mean either that or they attracted this shit to them after all this bullshit you know what i mean yeah i don't know but although 2009 so it's been going on for three years at this point no no in 2009 they said that the kids weren't going to school as much as they should. Right. But no, this didn't start till 2011. Well, it, but her excuse was, well, the article says her excuse was because of the demons. No, that was her excuse in 2012. But they're saying, no, there was you an got issue this in same issue in 2009. I got you. Okay, right. I follow. So, Amons told Washington there were three times she could not send the kids to school because the spirits made them sick or they would be up all night without sleep. Mm. DCS temporarily placed her daughter and older son at St. Joseph's Carmelite home in East Chicago. Eamon's youngest son was sent to Christian Haven in Wheatfield for a psychiatric evaluation. Mm. Clinical psychologist Stacy Wright, who evaluated Eamon's youngest son, said the boy tended to act possessed when he was challenged. He redirected or asked questions that when he didn't want to answer. I feel like that would be kind of common with possessions though, wouldn't it? Like demonic possessions? 
I don't know. I mean, to me, everything in this sounds like it's a mental case. Insane. It's only that he was witness fucking sliding across the room, up a wall, over the ceiling. I thought that was the older son. No, that was the eight-year-old. The older son was the one headbanging the grandma on the stomach. That's right. That's right. Um... I'm getting my boys confused. <laughs> well, they're very close in age. That's why, yeah. Because at I this point, they were like eight and nine. Yeah. You know, because he yeah. turned eight already. So it was then that the eight-year-old's stories became bizarre, fragmented, and illogical, Wright said. His stories changed each time he told them. He also changed the subject, quizzing Wright on math problems and asking her about outer space. Multiple personality disorder? Can you die, he asked, if you go to space? How do you get to space? Do you have to wear a helmet and a suit? Wright believed the eight-year-old did not suffer from a true psychotic disorder. This appears to be an unfortunate and sad case of a child who has been induced into a delusional system perpetuated by his mother and potentially reinforced. uh, Reinforced by the other relatives. Clinical psychologist Joel Schwartz evaluated Eamon's daughter and older son, and he came to a similar conclusion. There's also, or there also appears to be a need to assess the extent to which Eamon's daughter, who they're not naming any of the kids, may have been unduly influenced by her mother's concerns that the family was exposed to paranormal experiences. Eamon's daughter told Schwartz, (laughs) Schwartz, Schwartz, because there's a ch at the end of that (laughs) (laughs) that she saw um, shadowy figures in the carolina street home she also said twice she went into trances again she's also the one who said that um she felt like someone strangling her and holding Mm -hmm. her down Mm -hmm. so that again is sleep paralysis uh symptoms potentially say yeah yeah shadow people you can't fucking move mm-hmm. you feel like something's on you holding you down mm-hmm. i mean that's like so potentially cut and dry yeah. yeah um Eamon's older son told schwartz that doors would slam and stuff started moving around Eamon's also was examined several times by psychologists who said she was guarded but did not seem to be experiencing symptoms of psychosis or thought disorder one psychologist recommended Amons be assessed to determine whether her. <laughs> so this is like basically about her religion, but it's a weird word. And I'm not sure how to say it. Religiosity. Yeah. Religiosity. Religiosity. What? You're like, I think it's. Either re- <laughs> it's anyway. Her. I think re- it's religiosity. I'm going to say whether her religiousness. <laughs> maybe. Nailed it. <laughs> Maybe asking um, or masking underlying delusional ideas or perpetual disturbances. I hate how they're just going after the mom. Like, she's just some terrible here's, parent. Yeah, here's what I think happened. I think this she probably... So fucked up. No, here's what I think, though. I think she probably was a pretty terrible parent. And all the shit from her past, when some real shit like this is going down, that is counting against her. Maybe. You know, because they're looking at her past and they're like, oh, like she never sent her kids to school and like. But if like that's you know, the only thing against her. They're on like food her, stamps and stuff. You but know if that's I mean? the only thing against her, I feel like it's going to be stacked no matter what. Well, yeah, but trying to convince someone she's of a demonic mom. activity is hard enough. 
And then oh, they go back. 100%. And they see this girl is like, not maybe been the best parent. You have a single mom that lives with her mom, with her three kids. And her mom. Right. So she has help. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's a woman with three kids yeah. living with her mother. Yeah. And the deck is already stacked against her. And now she's like, no, my home is this, and this is what's happening to me. And now I have the state backing me up. I have doctors backing me up. Right, but it's still hard because of her past. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying, I think this stuff really, there's like something legit happening here. Right. But because of like... I just hope it's not that one like truancy thing where they're like, well, they didn't go to school once... Yeah. In 2009, exactly. you horrible parents. Right. I'm taking your kids from you. It's well, like, maybe they were looking, they were reaching, you know, for well, obviously. Because they're still going at it like, test her psychologically, test her psychologically, Which test I the kids. But if they're not finding anything, stop being yeah. like she's a Every terrible time they mother. See no, they do it, they say no, she's sound of mind. But then you have the DCS worker and the staff at the hospital that's like, this fucking kid and growled, he slid up a wall. And their doctor who yeah. watched him get thrown across the room. Yeah, by an invisible force. Right. Right. So, so the doctors, the nurses, the DCS workers, they want to lose their jobs by lying to you? Exactly. No, exactly. Of not. Oh, and the cop? Yeah. Pull your head out of your fucking ass. Right. Come so on. Th- it's, it's just a, you know, case of misfortunate circumstances that made her less believable, I feel like. Um, anyway. Um. Sorry, rant over. Yes. <laughs> While DCS officials credited Amons for sharing a close bond with her children, the agency also said she needed to use alternate forms of discipline not directly related to religion and demon possession. So beat them. <laughs> yeah. God. Beat them instead. Don't be religious. Beat your children. Yeah, exactly. Appropriate discipline included encouragement, rules, and withholding privileges. She could work on those goals during supervised visits with the children. Amons also had to find a job and appropriate housing due to the paranormal activity at the house on the Carolina Street. Because people that live in haunted houses are not inappropriate Yeah, and are you going to buy her a fucking house? Right. Like, what the fuck? Eat shit. While Amons worked on meeting... Those objectives, police and DCS officials continued to investigate the strange happenings in the house. Yeah, because they know something's going on. They're like, you want to go back to the house? Like, let's go see what's going on. Is it a demon or just a fucked up ghost? It even says the group was a bit larger this time. Of course they were. They want to know what's going on. Yes. I want to go too. Uh, I know. (laughs) I know. Seriously. Take me with you. Campbell, Amons, Austin, and two other police officers from the initial visit went back to the Carolina Street home on the afternoon of May 10th, 2012. The police officers visited after work hours. Mm-hmm. You nosy bastard. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, we brought our spirit box. Is that cool? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I'd bring a camera and see if I can get some uh, images. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they were also joined by Father Maganel. Two Lake County officers with a police dog and DCS family case manager, Samantha Illick. Illick, we'll say. Illick, 
who was there <laughs> in an official capacity, told the star she volunteered to go in. Wa- oh, she volunteered to go in Washington's place because Washington did not want to go back to the house. So she's the one who had left the... And she saw them damn children crawling right. up the wall and shit. Right. She's like, I'm done. Give she me saw the- Spider-Man. Yeah. She, she wants out. Yeah, she does not want to do that shit again. <laughs> um, a county officer took his place around the home, but the dog didn't show interest in any particular area. Because he wasn't trained to sniff uh-huh. out demons? It's the officer... I knew that sounded wrong. A county officer took his police dog around the home, yeah, but didn't show any interest. I said, um, "Place dog." Oh, I didn't even hear that. I just heard the dog didn't give uh, a shit. So yeah, why would he? They're not trained to sniff out demons, right? So you know, um, so everyone else headed into the basement. Magno told the police he wanted to check the dirt under the stairs for a pentagram or personal objects that might have been cursed. He said a pentagram might indicate a demonic presence and possible portal to hell. Because the demon is going to go down there and draw its own pentagram. Right. I was going to say, like, satanic activity down there, but not, um, anyway. Um, or if someone had died in the house and was buried under the stairs, it could also explain paranormal activity. One of the police officers dug a four foot by three foot hole beneath the stairs, unearthing a pink press-on fingernail, a pair of white panties. Shut the fuck up. A political shirt pin and a lid for a small cooking pan, socks with the bottoms cut off below the ankles, candy wrappers, and a heavy metal object that looked like a weight for a drapery cord. Finding nothing else, the officer replaced the dirt and raked over it. Magano blessed some small, <laughs> blessed some salt, which he said is a barrier to evil. Well, didn't they say the basement was already like fucking lined in salt? The basement walls were lined in salt. Yeah, I guess not the dirt area. Yeah. Um, and he spread it under the stairs and throughout the basement. Illich said she was later standing in the living room with the rest of the group when her left pinky finger started to tingle and whiten. Somebody was holding her hand. She complained it felt broken. Less than 10 minutes later, Illich said she felt as if she was having a panic attack. She couldn't breathe, so she walked outside That's to wait for the That's how I felt in group. the basement. Right. I was just thinking that. Uh-huh. When the priest started questioning Amons inside the house, she complained of a headache and shoulder pain, according to police records. She joined Illich outside. Austin said he left the house at nightfall. Austin who has been shot at and has investigated murders, rapes, and armed robberies during his more than three decades on the force, said he was not staying in that house past dark. I picture, so now that you just said that, I picture this like really overweight, donut eating, coffee sucking, like waiting to retire cop. Mm -hmm. That's like, in my 30 years on the force, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Like, I don't. I picture more of like a, like a, I feel like they're trying to make him seem like this guy is like the real deal and he's like, fuck this, I'm not staying in here. See, I, I picture, picture like, like a fucking... Spongebob like thing, mustache <laughs> and like a giant like double chin that like swallows his neck. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just get this really rude image 
<laughs> of this guy that's like, well, I've seen this and I've been shot at and blah, like in my heyday. Right. I don't know. I have not seen a picture of him. Um, Probably better that way. I like my imagination. <laughs> <laughs> the officers continue to walk through the home. On the main floor, they notice an oil-like substance dripping from the Venetian blinds in a bedroom, but couldn't figure out where it was coming from. Um, to make sure Campbell and Amons hadn't poured oil on the blinds, two of the officers used paper towels to clean it off. The officers sealed the room for 25 minutes and stood nearby so no one could walk in. When they went back in, the oil had reappeared, according to police records. Magano told the police the liquid was a manifestation of a paranormal or demonic presence. Magno said, Melzik, whoever that is. I was like, who's that? I know. <laughs> um, it must be one of the other cops or somebody that went in. No, it's, um, oh, he was the bishop. So Magno said Melzik had never authorized an exorcism in 21 years as a bishop of the Diocese of Gary. Debbie Bozak, director of communications for the diocese, said she cannot comment on whether Melzak has ever approved an exorcism for confidentiality confidentiality reasons confidentiality. in general she said such an action would require a bishop's approval mm-hmm. all exorcisms require at least a bishop's approval melzek initially denied magno's request to do a church sanctioned exorcism the bishop told magno to contact another priest who had performed exorcisms Magno said he needed other priests to give him the ritual for a minor exorcism, which does not require church approval. Really? I guess there's different levels of exorcism. Interesting. The priest he consulted told him to look it up on the internet. Oh, God. (laughs) Is this like anyone can be an exorcist? Like anyone can... Marry someone? Marry someone, yeah. He said he did an intense blessing on the Carolina Street home (laughs) to expel bad spirits. That same day, Magno performed a minor exorcism on Amons. The ritual consisted of prayers, statements, and appeals to cast out demons. Two police officers and Illich, the DCS family case manager, attended the ritual. Can you imagine being DCS and being like, how is this my fucking job right now? Right. Why am I at an exorcism? Yeah. Illich said she left um, believing that something was going on, although she wouldn't go as far as saying it was demonic. She said she got chills during the nearly two-hour rite. I mean, it's going to be freaky whether there's a demon or not. You're seeing a fucking priest perform an exorcism. You're watching an exorcism, yeah. She said, we felt like someone was in the room with us. Someone was breathing down our neck. Mm, Yeah. Then what happened? (laughs) Illich said she had a string of medical problems after visiting the home. Yikes. A week after she visited the house for the last time, Illich said she got third degree burns from a motorcycle within 30 days she also broke three ribs jet skiing broke a hand when she hit a table and broke an ankle running in flip-flops all within 30 days she broke like a fucking million bones in her body (laughs) okay well jet skiing and okay that's one thing that Obviously, that can happen. Riding a motorcycle? Well, I mean, all of these. You can burn yourself, dummy. No, all of these can happen. They're saying all of it happened within 30 days of leaving the house. I had friends who wouldn't talk to me because they believed that something had attached itself to me, Illich said. Your friends are crazy. Her joking response, I'm already evil. They're trying to find something that's not evil and corrupt it. 
they wouldn't waste their time on me. Um, after the minor <laughs> ritual, Magno and Amons, or Magno told Amons to look up the names of the demons that were tormenting her. Each demon has a name and personality, Magno said. A name has power, the priest added, and he planned to use those names to fight the demons during the exorcism. Amon said she had a friend look up the demons' names online by searching for the demons that represented the problems that the family had been having. Please be George. So, <laughs> the computer kept shutting down while they were trying to look, and she felt sick and lightheaded. I think she's got some sort of condition. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but, I think this is bullshit. But she said they found names that fit. One such name was Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies. And that's how this all started. The flies. Was flies. Mm-hmm. She said they also found names of demons that torture and hurt kids, which she felt explained what happened in the Carolina Street home. Amons said another. So what is this? Like the shoe fits kind of thing? No. I mean, they're looking for what's been happening to them and the demons. Oh, yeah, I guess. The demons that right. cause that stuff. Okay. Amon said other high-ranking demons also assigned to her, including lieutenants and sergeants. They have ranks? I guess so. Oh, shit. After the minor rite, Magno said Bishop Melzak gave him permission to exercise Amon's, so he finally got the bishop's permission. Okay. The ritual is the same as the minor exorcism, but more powerful because it has the backing of the Catholic Church. Mm-hmm. Magno ultimately performed three major exorcisms on Amens, two in English and the last one in Latin on June in June of 2012. During each, Magno said he praised God and condemned the devil. He pressed a crucifix against Amen's head as he spoke. I cast you out, unclean spirit, along with every satanic power of the enemy, every specter from hell, and all your fell companions, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Magno said his voice continued to get louder and more forceful until the demon weakened. He said he could tell how strong the demon was by how much Amon's convulsed. Two police officers who had kept in touch with Magno since the home investigation stood nearby in case Amon's needed to be restrained. Amon said she prayed with Magno until it became too painful. She said she felt as if something inside her was trying to hold on and inflict pain at the same time. She said it was different from a natural pain, but it felt as intense as giving birth. Ooh. Yeah. I was hurting all over from the inside out, she remembered. I'm trying to do my best to be strong. Eventually, Magna said Amons fell asleep. She said that the demon's way of lessening the ritual, the ritual's effect, was to put her to sleep. Oh, my God. In between the second and third exorcisms, Magna said he went on a retreat. A woman who assisted Magno with some of the exorcisms helped set up a backup plan in case the Amons had problems while Magno was gone. The woman wrote a long demon name. Magno said he can't remember which one it was on a piece of paper and tucked it in an envelope. Then she surrounded it with blessed salt. If Amons had problems, the woman would burn the envelope, Magno said. By this time, Amons and her mother had moved to Indianapolis, but they drove back for or they drove back for the exorcisms and court hearings as their children were still in DCS's care. 
Were the exorcisms in the church? They were in the church, yeah. Interesting. Magno said he blessed the family's new home to prevent more problems. But Amon's called while Magno was on his retreat complaining of bad dreams, so the woman burned the envelope. She saved the ashes to burn later in the church bonfire. After that, Amon said her nightmares ended. In the final exorcism at the end of June 2012, Magno said he prayed and breathed, or no, berated the <laughs> demons in you Latin know, same thing. rather than English. Police officers did not attend this one, so Magno said his brother stood guard. Magno said Amon's convulsed while he condemned the demons, but it did not convulse or but did not convulse during prayer. When she fell asleep, he said the words of thanksgiving. It would be the last time Amon's ever saw Magno. She and her mother drove back to Indianapolis, where they say they now live without fear. Amon's old home on Carolina Street became an object of local curiosity, so much so that owner and landlord Charles Reed called the Gary Police Department to ask officers to stop driving by the house because it was scaring the new tenant. Oh my gosh. Um, he said, I thought I had heard it all. Um, Reed, who's been the landlord for 33 years, this is a new one to me. My belief system has a hard time jumping over that bridge. Mm -hmm. When told of the Catholic Church's involvement in the situation, however, Reed said that made him a little less skeptical. Yeah. Amons regained custody of her three children in November of 2012, about six months after they had been removed. DCS continued to check in on the children and make sure they were going to school until the case was closed last February. And that was, like, years ago. What's crazy with the whole fucking thing? The whole thing is nuts. The whole thing is nuts, and it sounds like they're nuts. But the fact that you have all these, like, professionals stating that they saw this crazy-ass paranormal shit. Yeah. That's fucking nuts. So then, Zach Bagans hears about this house. Never saw it. Never went there. He calls them on the phone. He fucking buys the house. Shut up. Yeah. They didn't even own the house, like... They were renting it, but yeah. he finds the fucking owner of this house and he probably paid way too much for it. And that's how he got it. Sight unseen. He never saw this house. Nothing. I heard about this. Yeah. And there's a documentary on it called Demon House. Yes. I never watched it, but yes, I know what you're talking about. Um, it's pretty nuts. And, um, I'll probably talk about that in another episode, but anyway, he has part of the, the stairs in his museum. museum. And God, then we need to go to Vegas. So much, so much stuff happened while they were filming, and you know they're super dramatic. Well, yeah. But he just fucking basically paid cash for this house, yeah. bought it. He, they had so much trouble making this documentary uh-huh. that when they finished, he had the house demolished. There's no house there. Yeah, but he kept part of the stairs. So, anyway, that to me is the most convincing exorcism story I've ever read. Because if you see, if those, like, three key things weren't in there, mm-hmm. all exorcism cases sound like mental disorders. All of them. But, like the nurse said, no amount of mental problems can cause you to, to become a superhuman. A, to walk up a fucking wall backwards. Right. There's no disorder you can have that... No. And, you know, real legit people, and after that woman saw it and gave her statement, she never had any involvement in the case again. Yeah. Because she was terrified. Well, yeah. If I saw that shit, I'd be terrified. Like, so I think it's really just a fucked up situation where 
a family who wasn't well off and maybe wasn't the best at sending their kids to school. I literally feel had like the deck, this was, the deck to was them. stacked against them the whole time. And so some real shit was happening, but people were like hesitant to believe them. And hesitant to help them. And hesitant to help them. Yeah. And so, because churches weren't even going to help them. Luckily, Magno got involved. But, yeah. I mean, to me, that's like the most legit one because of the official statements. Yeah, if it wasn't for, like, the state and the county being involved, you know, be it DCS and the and the police departments. And the their doctors, eyewitness accounts. Well, that's what I'm saying. The doctors, the hospitals, the everybody. I mean, you have fucking scientists involved. Yeah. The police knew something was crazy in that house, and they kept wanting to go back there. From different counties, even. Yeah, exactly. So, so for them to be like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know. It's a little wonky, but it's like Indiana. So yeah, and you just you can't say in any legal sense, oh, it was demons. They have two hundred demons in their house. So well, not only that, the, you know, had it got like had DCS like taken them to court or whatever to try and take her kids away, it never would have happened because as I'm going to talk about, there's you can't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that there aren't demons and that no you cannot they didn't have to be exercised exactly and so you also you can't prove that it does exist but you also can't disprove it so it it doesn't it's not there's it doesn't hold any water right but the annoying thing is how many fucking times do you have to evaluate the mom and find her sound of mind seriously how, that poor like, woman how man. many times do you have to do that i like, feel they the, just were reaching they because they didn't know what was going on the whole and i'll tell you what it was beelzebub Seriously, the whole time, like throughout the story, I'm like, yeah, mom's probably a little fucking nuts. However, this woman doesn't need to have her kids like taken yeah. away from her. This poor woman. How could they take them away to if be, she to pass all her tests? Right. This woman doesn't need to be blamed up one side of Indiana and down the other. This poor woman is being blamed for kids, for things that her kids are doing that clearly, she can't make her son fucking moonwalk up the goddamn wall. No one, no no one can just throw themselves across a room into a wall. Nobody can be like, hey, seven or eight year old, hey, just levitate and chuck yourself across a fucking room. And it fits with what the grandma said, where she said she saw him fly out of the bathroom like someone threw him. Exactly. Literally impossible. Right. So it's either all bullshit, which I'm, I don't want to get into whole, like, the religious believer. Don't believe, because I believe in the paranormal, but I'm not religious. But I just... There's too many people with eyewitness accounts saying, yo, this shit fucking happened. Right. For them to be like, mm, mom's a little batshit. Let's take her kids away and blame it all on her. Right. Yeah, I think it, I think there definitely was something going on there. Yeah. But, um. Yeah. And if things were better after their church came in, who's to say that there isn't something? Yeah, I think, I definitely think there's something. A hundred percent. And, uh, whether it's a demon or not is up for individuals' beliefs and interpretations, but it was definitely fucking something. Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's either a demon that Christian people call a demon 
Or it's that same entity that is able to possess someone. I agree. Basically. You know what I mean? Right. It whether be, it's a it demon fucking anything. Whether it's a demon on like your Catholic, religious, satanic level. Yeah, which I believe. Right, which I don't. Yeah. Or it could, like, I am an atheist, but I also believe that there are demons that don't have anything to do with the fucking Bible. You know what I mean? Right. I believe that there is a demon that was more like a paranormal being that was never human that can possess you. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's just an evil being that can wreak havoc on your entire fucking life and kill you. Yeah. Like, I believe that you can be possessed. I believe that something can kill you and things like that. Do I think it has anything to do with the Catholic Church? Absolutely not. Well, I'm not saying the Catholic Church. No, I'm just saying. Just any Christianity. No, but when most people think of being, when most people think of being possessed, they automatically think, I need a priest. I would. I mean, I probably would if that's if those are the only people that. If you're like, this is the only out I've heard about, I'm gonna fucking check it out. If that's the only, if that's the only way to get a demon exercised from you, you, (laughs) excuse me, Pope. Yeah. Can you help me? I'm about to fly over to Italy. Okay. Right. Excuse me. Is the Vatican open? (laughs) I'll wear a mask. Right. I'll (laughs) do what I gotta do. Right. But you know what I mean. But I believe that demons exist. Just. Not in the same wavelength as most people. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. I definitely think that this is a cool story and I've never heard of it. And yeah. And it's the only one that I've ever heard with official documentation. So I think it's really cool. It's so recent. I mean. Oh, yeah, I know. Like there anything are anything after like there are 2000. You're like, whoa, man. Well, around the world. There's. A good amount of exorcisms, but they're not public because they're not really allowed to be. Yeah, there's actually been an uptick in uh, exorcisms in the past few years. And the Vatican has been holding courses to teach these priests how to do exorcisms. Yes, ma'am. Because there is a high demand for them. Yes, ma'am. So. Yeah, because not everybody can do it. Well, no, but the, you also have to be properly trained. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Not not everybody can do it. Yeah. Not every bishop can do it. Not every cardinal can do it. Not every priest can do it. So. Yeah, unless you have the right training. So, exactly. But what I was going to tell you, which reminded me of this, um, when Alicia and I first used the Ouija board in my house, mm. I'm not fucking kidding you. For, oh, when you open this crazy portal? Yeah. Well, it was already open. That's why we got the fucking board, so we wanted to see what it was. Right. Um, Who's in here? So we're playing with the... Where are you at, Sarah? Come talk to us. We're t- playing with the Ouija board, and, you know, some weird shit happened. I'll go into that later, but nothing crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, it felt crazy at the time, but we got over it real quick. Put the Ouija board in my shed. No big deal. For probably two, three weeks after we used it... I shit you not, there was probably 300 flies in my house every fucking day. And we kept killing them and killing them, like the grandma said, and they kept fucking coming back. To the point where we had um, double-sided fly tape hanging from the ceiling, hanging down. And they were coated in flies on either side. And my son 
would be like, Mommy, come see my friends. Oh, no. And they were the dead flies on this fly tape. But who the fuck does that happen to? Literally no one. And it was, I'm not kidding, it was coating the front and back of the fly tape. And there was multiple fly tapes hanging around. Yeah. And we're like, what the fuck? So we're getting rid of them. And then just more fucking flies appear. Like constant flies. Every fucking where. And um, all of a sudden they were gone. And we didn't have a problem. Look at and, you, Lord of the Flies. I know. And this was um, probably the year after we moved in here. And we had never had problems with flies before. And we have never had problems with flies since. Isn't that weird? That's your little warning. Oh, yeah. That was Beelzebub being like, I'm here, bitch. Right. Let's party. So, and that was also during the this time. This little fly needs to go back to the <laughs> Pence his head and leave us alone. And there was some, like, paranormal activity in the house around that time. So, like, with the plate lifting and the cup and shit, that was Yeah. Really so, anyway. We need to go change the light bulbs in your uh, china cabinet because oh, yeah. that's, like, my favorite thing ever. Yeah, I know. We Tis the season. Tis. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to my long, drawn-out episode. We are in a house full of children and parents, and we had to stop a million times. So, hopefully... Hopefully I got my point across. That's what editing is for. Yeah. That was a great story. Cheers. Cheers. Catch you next time. Love you. Happy Halloween. (laughs) What an excellent day for an exorcism. Trick or treat, it's fucking Halloween. What an excellent day for an exorcism.